Hello, and welcome to Rise of the Data Cloud. Today's episode features an interview with Vibhav Kolkarni, Head of Data Products and Infrastructure Engineering at PepsiCo. Vibhav has spent over 10 years working his way up from an engineer to a founder and now a thought leader in the tech industry. On this episode, Vibhav talks about the transfer of e-commerce to the cloud, what data transformation looks like on a massive scale, how to increase your ROI, and much more. So please enjoy this conversation between Vibhav Kolkarni, Head of Data and Infrastructure Engineering at PepsiCo, and your host, Steve Ham. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to talk to you again. Thanks, Steve. It's my pleasure to be here. Now, everybody knows PepsiCo, at least the products, the brands, but it would be good if you could start off by describing the business and all of its dimensions and then focus in on the e-commerce unit where you work. Certainly. PepsiCo is one of the largest CPG companies in the world. It was founded by merger of PepsiCola and Frito-Lay companies. So we have a very diverse portfolio of food and beverages products. And to name a few, uh, you know, Pepsi, uh, Gatorade, Lay's, Quaker, uh, Tropicana, Doritos. We have close to 23 brands with billion-dollar valuation each. We are continually expanding our portfolio to go beyond the bottle and find ways to deliver beverages free from single-use plastic. And our soda stream business is definitely enabling this initiative. Our, our, a fun fact, uh, our, our products are enjoyed by consumers more than 1 billion times a day in more than 200 countries and territories around the world. Now, speaking about e-commerce, e-commerce org is relatively new within PepsiCo. We started five, six years ago. We are uh, divided into several teams that are focused on specific areas like supply chain. We have D2D, uh, D2C, B2B initiatives. We have marketing, sales, strategy, and technology groups within e-commerce as well. And we are also building several global products like ROI Engine that goes beyond e-commerce. Great. We'll talk about that a bit later. Hey, so what is your personal role in PepsiCo's overall technology and data strategy? And in particular, what's your role in e-commerce? At PepsiCo e-commerce, I'm heading up the data products, engineering, and infrastructure engineering groups. We are responsible to build scalable and extensible data platform infrastructure in the cloud. My my group is also working on multiple global data products initiatives, focusing on data and application engineering and analytics capabilities. We work with many of our stakeholders here in the United States and globally. We already launched several products including ROI Engine in North America sector last year. Now we are expanding our capabilities to launch it in our global sectors like Europe, APAC, and other regions. On the other hand, my infrastructure engineering group is focused on building cloud infrastructure tools and systems that's empowering our hundreds of technologists within PepsiCo e-commerce. Now, you have led technology teams at a number of companies, including at a startup called Miles, Please talk about the most important management and leadership lessons that you've learned there that you're putting to use at PepsiCo. I was working at Miles, a startup before joining PepsiCo. Miles is a multimodal transportation reward mileage program. Basically, as a user, all you need to do is just install the mobile app 
and it would detect all of your trips automatically without human intervention. So be it car trip, train, bus, or activities like walk, run, bike, you basically get the uh, miles for these trips. Now you can redeem your miles for various rewards. As a founding member of Mile, I was leading engineering and data science teams there. You know, as a tech leader in a startup, you constantly have to think about how to deliver value to the business faster. You do not want to over-engineer things from day one, especially if you are literally bootstrapping the startup. Uh, you have to focus on delivering the features. At the same time, you also have to use the resources optimally considering the limited funding. I was part of the journey at Miles where we grew from four to five people to 25 plus within a year and a half. As a leader, celebrating small wins is very important. It could be a, a spot reward or a recognition. This will keep your team motivated. I also firmly believe that you have to give sp space uh, and autonomy to your team members to get the best out of them. Overall, as a leader in PepsiCo e-commerce, my focus is to create a very empathetic, inclusive, and collaborative team culture by empowering team members. So basically, you're taking the lessons you learned at a small company and you're applying them in a giant company, but for a team. It's a much bigger team, but it's, they translate well, it sounds like. Yes, definitely. And then one of the aspects is when I joined PepsiCo e-commerce, I was told e-commerce is kind of like a startup within the big arc. Oh, yeah. And I definitely agree with this. That makes a lot of sense. This episode is brought to you by Snowflake. Join 50,000 of your peers at Snowflake's annual global user conference, Snowflake Summit, this June 8th through 10th. Hear from Snowflake customers, industry thought leaders, and more about how they bring data together now with the data cloud. Learn more and register at snowflake.com slash summit. Now, within PepsiCo's e-commerce unit, I know you have a number of multidisciplinary teams. You combine engineering, data science, business side people, analysts, marketing and product management people. So it's a really diverse set of people with different goals, though they share a common goal. So how do you set up and operate these teams so that the, the different domains are kind of synchronized and you get good results out of it? We work in very highly integrated cross-functional team environment. We have, we call it pod structure for different projects. And these pods comprises, basically they comprise of engineering team, data science team, product, business, marketing stakeholders. Now these pods have daily standups, uh, weekly or bi-weekly replenishment meetings to ensure we are prioritizing things to deliver value to the business. Of course, this pod structure is evolving as we speak, since we are also working with you know, multiple global sector teams. Now, we not only have to deal with one stakeholders, but imagine we have, we have the Europe stakeholders, we have the uh, stakeholders from APAC, and within each sector, we have stakeholders from Russia, we have stakeholders from, particularly if we're talking about Europe, UK, Spain, etc., so it's really important that all teams are in the sync and to deliver projects successfully. Sometimes over-communication is good when you work with that many teams together. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, PepsiCo is very aggressively launching new applications, both internally and externally. 
And I know that recently you launched PantryShop.com. This is a platform for consumers and it came out last year. If you could describe that initiative and the role in it for data and data analytics, that would be very helpful. Definitely. As the world adapts to new ways of living and working, being consumer-centric is more important than ever. Consumers are increasingly turning online for their food and beverages needs. We launched this initiative, PantryShop.com, our uh, direct-to-consumer initiative, where uh, shoppers can quickly and easily order their favorite products and get it delivered to their doorstep. We developed this site within less than 30 days in response to consumer evolving needs during these uncertain times last year. From data perspective, we do some user-level analytics to better serve our consumers. At the same time, we mainly use this data for forecasting and supply chain planning purposes. Now, you mentioned at the top that one of your major projects today is your ROI engine. And I understand this is an in-house data analytics engine for evaluating marketing and advertising campaigns and for measuring how effective they are. So I want to know when and why did you launch this initiative? And also, this addresses all sales channels and not just e-commerce, right? With consumer and customer landscape evolving, we launched our engine initiative uh, a couple of years ago. This was our efforts of building an in-house media optimization tool or media measurement tool. The ROI engine allows us to make uh, smarter decisions in measuring the campaign effectiveness and return on investment. It's a multivariant machine learning modeling-based tool. And yes, you are right. Uh, ROI engine addresses not only just e-commerce, but we also address many other channels, such as convenience, grocery, drugs, retailers, etc., as part of this project. A big org like PepsiCo spends good amount of money towards marketing, and this tool helps our marketers answer some of the questions such as, you know, quite recently, what's the effect of COVID on sales? How did, let's say, my TV campaign perform? Or it also gives recommendation to our marketers. Is it better to put next dollar in digital or TV? So for example, let's say you're spending, like just coming up with the numbers, 20% on of your marketing spend on TV, but you probably would just want to spend 15% on TV and maybe remaining 5% on other digital media. I mean, these are these questions that this tool helps answer. Of course, seasonality can affect ROI as well. And then we decided to build this tool in-house because previously we had a system that ran less frequently. We had to wait several months to get the results delivered. And many of the things were literally black box. Now we have built faster. Yeah, wait, by black box, you mean you got a result, but you didn't know how you got it? Is that what you mean by that? That is correct. It was outsourced to our vendors, and then all we saw, just the results, right? Now, we have built this tool, which is faster, more granular, more frequent, and then with the better coverage, we are delivering results to our marketers faster, and they can quickly act upon it. Uh, additionally, we have complete ownership of data set, and we can also run more analysis on top of it to make the better decisions. Yeah. The idea that you had to wait months to get the results and understand how successful your campaigns were is just incredible. That just sounds oh so 20th century. But I, I think one of the things that has enabled this is the movement of data to the cloud, right? 
Yes, certainly. Definitely. That helped a lot. Yeah. So when and why did PepsiCo start migrating its data to the cloud? Uh, Sure. The cloud migration initiative, I would say, was started a few years back. As a company, we collect tons of data across our uh, different properties and products. So moving from on-prem infrastructure to cloud was, of course, no-brainer as it offers a lot of benefits, such as security and uh, reduced risk of data loss. Then the infrastructure, we can easily able to deploy, we are able to deploy our containers to Kubernetes clusters and cloud, which makes it easier to scale our services and applications. Of course, the computation on demand, that gives us capability to do faster analysis to basically demand computation to train our machine learning models effectively. Uh, With the cloud adoption, we are definitely becoming faster, stronger, and better to achieve PepsiCo's broader vision of be the global leader in convenient food and beverages by winning with the purpose. Winning with purpose. That's an interesting idea. So that's like the mission of the company? Yes, that's our broader version of the company. Yeah, I like that. Now, whenever companies do these major transformations and these major migrations of data to the cloud, it's a big deal because it's changing kind of the IT model, the data model, and some real business processes. What challenges have you encountered in in this migration or through this migration And how have you overcome them? Sure. Fortunately, within PepsiCo e-commerce, we didn't face a lot of challenges migrating to the cloud. As we were relatively a new organization, our cloud adoption was rather smoother. But of course, uh, there were some other challenges. I've seen this not only within PepsiCo, but also some other big carbs. I worked at. A lot of data is sitting in Excel and PowerPoint deck. We, of course, know the importance of, of the data. Get, uh, we get that data onto the cloud to deliver actionable insights. And uh, we all are working towards that effort. Sounds great. So the, it's it's not so much challenging as there's a lot to do because you've got to, you've got to get it out of those applications and those databases that's already in and make it available to the cloud in a new way, it sounds like. So that sounds like a real data engineering challenge rather than anything else. Yes, definitely. And then a lot of the data sources, we have to collect, we first have to discover these different data sources, where they are. They could be the company as big as PepsiCo with 300,000 employees. It's really hard to, it could be really hard to find the, the data sources, the internal PepsiCo data sources as well as external data sources. The external uh, data sources has become, uh, the exploration of external data sources has become a little easier nowadays with technologies such as Snowflake Marketplace, et cetera. But yeah. Now, I wanted to explore a little deeper on this, on the data cloud. When and why did you begin working with Snowflake? We've been using Snowflake for more than two years now. At times, we were looking at multiple cloud data warehouse solutions, and Snowflake particularly stood out. I think Snowflake offers very unique data cloud solution with their architecture. They've separated the compute and storage layer. There's several benefits, uh, apart from performance and speed. You're ready for a multi-cloud environment, really. Within PepsiCo, we have teams using multiple clouds for different purposes. And it was important to make our data available across clouds to work on insights. 
And Snowflake enabled this through their one of their features where you can literally basically set up multi-cloud replication, the replication across cloud with a couple of clicks. We also did a benchmarking at times, and then it was best choice for us within PepsiCo e-commerce considering the cost and performance Snowflake were offering. So you've had Snowflake for a couple of years, and I imagine the way you use the, the technology has evolved. What role does it play in the ROI engine And also, does it enable improved data sharing? It seems like those are two key questions for you. Yeah, Snowflake, first of all, allowing teams to build insights very easily. We've So far, we have hundreds of data pipelines that we built using our data platform, and we use Snowflake on our day-to-day basis to, to basically store these data sets in the cloud. And Snowflake is powering multiple applications within PepsiCo already. We have Tableau BI Analytics uh, powered by Snowflake. We also have some internal web applications powered by Snowflake. Our data scientists are running their models on top of uh, the data that we're storing in Snowflake. The Snowflake data share feature particularly, I want to talk about it specifically regarding ROI engine. As part of the ROI engine, We are collecting data from now 60 plus data sources. And once we produce the uh, actionable insights, we store them back into Snowflake. Now we have to share these results across uh, different organizations within PepsiCo. And Snowflake is enabling this by this feature called DataShare, where we are able to quickly share a database or table with these teams. And then they don't need to worry about building these data engineering pipelines. They always get the most latest and up-to-date data uh, available to them uh, at any given time. And then, of course, there are multiple products that we are building on top of Snowflake, not only just ROI Engine. Okay. Well, ROI Engine certainly sounds like a, a great product, a great capability. And it really illustrates one of the core things about the data cloud, because you're bringing together all these different groups. You're bringing together your marketing people, your product people, your data engineering people, your analytics people, who previously, and then all the different lines of business, previously they probably had all their data separated, but only because of the cloud can you get it, can you integrate it and manage it and make it actionable. It seems like that's really the heart and soul of ROI Engine, correct? Yes, definitely. Having all of these data sets together in one place is very beneficial. And we already seen savings in our marketing spend last year because of this tool, specifically the ROI engine. And we are able to make choices at uh, many different levels, from AOP level strategic choices, where do we place our bets? We are able to make some tactical and strategic decisions by doing top-level analysis. The ROI engine already allowed us to increase our digital penetration in certain brands by more than a double digit. And of course, we are able to do the informed decision by knowing where our consumer mindset. So, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine in the midst of COVID, when when suddenly so much was uncertain in society, in health, and in the business world, having something like ROI engine I mean, without that, you would have had a very hard time responding to those changes and to like the mysteries of of where things were going and what was happening. So it seems like that was a very smart move, even though you didn't obviously anticipate COVID, it came in handy. So that's really interesting. 
Yeah. And the ROI engine, just so I'm clear on this, it's used within e-commerce, but also in other parts of PepsiCo, correct? Yes. ROI engine, particularly. So like I said earlier, e-commerce is just one of the channels that we deliver results to. But we also deliver results globally across different channels to different sectors globally. Mm -hmm. So this is way beyond e-commerce as well. Right, gotcha, gotcha. We have multiple teams involved from in PepsiCo global side of stuff. We have the the global insights team. We have global marketing and media teams involved in this project. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. I understand that you're beginning to use Snowflake's data marketplace for acquiring and sharing data. So, how does that change the game for you? So, we recently started using uh, Snowflake data marketplace. And let me tell you, it's very easy uh, to get started with. Uh, you have the data available uh, to you very quickly. Uh, there are tons of data sets available in the marketplace, and many companies are publishing newer data sets very often. We are actually using several data sets through marketplace. So for example, you were talking about COVID just a little earlier, and we, are, we were able to get the COVID data set for the ROI engine project specifically through Snowflake Marketplace very quickly. At the same time, we're also looking at some other data sets in uh, Snowflake Marketplace, like foot traffic data and weather data, et cetera. Looking ahead, what are the most important trends in cloud computing and in data analytics that you see coming in the next year or so? As more and more companies are realizing the real value of the data, especially all the things we could do with cloud computing power, we will see more and more need for data technologists. This is the penetration that we all seen back in 90s or 2000 when all of the companies were running to get their businesses online. And as the things are still evolving in data space, there are so many roles and opportunities in this field. For example, we have now data scientists, data analysts, data engineers, machine learning engineers. Then we have, I also heard like full stack machine learning engineers. There's tons of opportunity in data space. We already seeing some impressive startups and tech coming up. In, in this space, to name a few, Monte Carlo data, they, they are in data quality and observa observability space. You know, DBT and ATL tool, Kubeflow in MLOps space. I think we just get also getting just started with the data share uh, across the companies through the data cloud. And Snowflake particularly is playing a key role here with their data share capabilities. I feel a lot of companies will take advantage of such features, cutting down their data transfer cost and development time. I think companies will be able to share and ingest the data without needing to build these big ETL processes through the Snowflake data share capability specifically. Okay. So there'll, there'll be less need for ETL because the data has already been loaded and prepared. Is that the idea? That is correct. Again, uh, with the data share feature, you don't really have to worry about building these ETL pipelines. When company A shares their data sets, we can directly consume it without building these uh, data pipelines. So you skip a big complicated step. That sounds really smart. I see the future. What a fascinating modern age we live in. Is this what the future holds? Now I'm going to ask you to put on your visionary cap for a minute and look out five years or more. How do you see the data cloud impacting business and society? So data-driven decision-making, uh, 
Definitely, this will enable companies in different fields to make informed data-driven decisions. Companies will further find new ways to generate more revenue, produce some actionable insights, and find new growth opportunities. And I'm very optimistic about the future of the data and AI technologies, particularly. We're already seeing the benefits of uh, AI knowingly or, unknow- uh, or unknowingly right now. I remember I used to work in Caution Technology around five years ago, which is, by the way, leader in digital coupons and omni-channel digital marketing. And one of the projects I was leading, there was an applied machine learning we were trying to recognize and classify retail product images using mobile camera. So basically it could identify if product is Diet Pepsi or Gatorade or Lay's just by pointing camera at it. About the same time, there was a need, there, there were some news about machine, or I would rather say the artificial neural networks like convolutional neural networks were just outperforming humans in identifying the images accurately. It's very fascinating considering all your computer sees, you know, just is just a bunch of numbers in the metrics. So let's say if it's a 100 by 100 pixel grayscale image, all your computer sees is 100 by 100 pixel of metrics with each number in the metrics representing 0 to 255 color range. Anyway, we all are seeing emerging AI applications in different industries, self-driving cars, Amazon Go stores, identifying cancer. I think these things will become a norm in future. And I'm quite excited about the impact of the data and tech can have. I heard recently that you've been doing some meetings in a virtual office. Now, we're all used to using Zoom for our meetings, but you're literally using a VR app. Tell us about that. What is it and how does it work? Oh, sure. So I have this VR headset and I use I use this app called Immersed VR on it, which is pretty cool, by the way. You can work with your colleagues in a virtual office environment. So basically you're in the same virtual room. You can literally see uh, your colleagues sitting beside you, of course, in their virtual avatar. You can also have multiple virtual monitors to work with. Uh, you know, it connects with connects to your laptop, and then of course there is a virtual webcam, uh, which by the way shows your your avatar and virtual office background in your Zoom meetings. It's fun, and at the same time you're getting work done. Sometimes this is what needed and for this very unfortunate pandemic situation. So it, it adds a little bit of spice to life. And, it, and you can also get your work done, which is like a double benefit. That's pretty cool. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that example. And I just think we're going to see a lot of new collaboration technologies and approaches that are just going to be incredible over the next couple of years. You know, the COVID thing set it off. They set off a, a new wave of innovation there. As a matter of fact, I was listening to Eric Yan of Zoom talk earlier today, and he said... He doesn't call it Silicon Valley anymore. He calls it Collaboration Valley because that's where he thinks a lot of the innovation is going to be going on um, in the coming years. Yeah, so this has been a really cool conversation. I, I love that. I also think your ROI engine is really powerful. I can see how practically any business of any kind that does advertising or even aggressive marketing, they need something like that. And I And it seems to me that's, 
something we're going to be hearing a lot more about from a lot of companies. So thank you so much for your time today. I think it's been really illuminating. Thank you, Steve. It was great and my pleasure talking with you. The Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full-day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions, and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com slash data dash cloud dash world dash tour.